Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Tom Annis. I'm Matt Croger. And I'm Jeremy Duvall. Welcome to another episode and our final episode of our Clash of Kings 2022 coverage. What a ride, huh, Matt? It's been a lot of fun. It has been fun and a good variety of stuff, I think, we've been able to bring out to the people. So, and a little bit of behind the scenes knowledge as well. So, I think that's good. Yeah. And, you know, you know, we've had reveals. There's been some reveals, you know, uh, um, among other uh, content providers. And, you know, looking back over all the leaks that have already come out, it's, pretty, it's just going to be such an exciting book, right? We got two new armies. Uh, we got a campaign. Uh, we have changes to magic levels, spellcasters, formations are back, changes in every single army. Uh, it's been a really exciting um, a few weeks looking at all these changes. Um, so I know I'm excited. I know Matt and I have had a bunch of fun. And we're happy to have on Dojo's Everyman, the Spymaster, Handsome Tom Annis. How's it going, Tom? Hey, thanks for having me back on. I think the last time I was on was my uh, the Masters preview episode, so thanks for having me back. Exactly, and um, we always like to have you on the show. And you know, Tom, I, I've talked in the previous last couple weeks uh, how Tom was one of my um, uh, sparring partners during playtesting, and then we play a lot. And it's a player who took Brother Mark to Masters. Not last year, not this year's Masters, but Mas- Northeast Masters, he took Brother Mark to Masters and, you know, kind of got off to a good start, but then ran into some big dogs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, didn't know, he didn't know how to not roll a turn seven, basically. So learn yep. how to control your turn seven rolls and you'll do better at Masters. <laughs> exactly. Is the point. Yep. But, uh, you know, Tom has a, a Brother Mark background and also a, a Basalian trademark background. So we're really excited to get him on for this episode where we're going to do a faction focus on all things Brother Mark. You know, this is one of the factions that's changed a lot, and we're going to get into some of those changes. Uh, But first, you know, Matt and I wanted to talk with Tom a little bit about, you know, we've gotten some great feedback that people have really enjoyed hearing um, what the testing process was like and sort of like uh, get a little bit behind the scenes look into how the development of the COC 2022 pack went. So, Tom, what was sort of uh, stood out for you as being part of the testing process? Did you like it or or talk to us a little bit about what it was like to be a tester? Sure. So I basically got invited to the group uh, along with some of my other dojo club mates um, right right before master. So like right in mid-July, which was the point in time where. The other, a lot of the other playtesters have been testing the the Halfling and Riftforge orc lists for the better part of the year, right, Matt? I think maybe six. You guys started in January. Yeah, that that'd be about right, I reckon. And so I, I didn't have any involvement in that, but they added a bunch of new playtesters right before um, 
the RC was finishing up voting on initial changes and to to the list that were going to be the, the the Clash of Kings changes. And so um, they invited a bunch of people in just because, I mean, I'm looking at the book right now. It's 112 pages. <laughs> That's a lot. It's just a ton of changes um, and a lot of really significant changes and uh, a short time to to run through them and get them all tested as best as we could. And so, uh, you know, my experience was just it. it's fun. It's fun to kind of be see behind the scenes uh, of how how the sausage is made and participate in that. Um, And but really, the the thing I most enjoyed was, you know, seeing some of my playtesting feedback actually make a difference. And this unit gets better or this formation isn't as overpowered after I do a playtest game with it. And so I like that sort of uh, iterative process. Yeah, you know, it was always great to do a test game and have Tom table me with something and then be all like, this is a bunch of BS. And then it's like typing like into the uh, a battle report and then it would like be defense four instead of defense five um, or whatever it was, you know. Right. So I was like, like, like uh, Indiana Jones. I got on the the the, the rip my heart out in the the Kalima. So I like <laughs> like be your sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. You're like my little lab rat. <laughs> yeah, but you're right, Tom. It is cool, kind of seeing something in a book that, even though like you'll never get your name directly next to it, but you kind of you have that knowledge that that change might might have had a significant amount to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and you never know. I mean, there is, uh, as Elliot Morish described today in the Glade Stalker episode I listened to, was there's like a curtain between the RC and the playtesters. So you never know exactly why the RC changes something or why they don't. But but some you know sometimes you can you can trace it back to a playtest report that uh, a couple you know people did or uh, so yeah. You don't get your name. <laughs> you can't exactly claim it, but but you know. Um, my my philosophy was just see read the changes, see what is like. This cannot exist in the when the book that goes to print, and just do a playtest report that shows why this unit can't be like this in the final version. Um, and that led to a lot of Jeremy tears, but ultimately for the greater good of the game, I think. They were sticking it to me at uh, refugees. Uh, you know, I have self-deprecating humor about my lack of um, uh, verticality, meaning my uh, general shortness as a human. So, like, you win a sword at refugees, and they were like, they're like, oh, and you will call it Sting. You know, because it's like, I'm a little hobbit. So instead, we decided that we'd call that sword uh, the Murray Bane. Because I beat Nick Murray in the last round, and it blows glue. It glows blue when there's jealousy about. So now every time I have it, Nick's and Nick's Murray, it's gonna glow blue because he'll be jealous of that. I love you, Nick. So anyway, um, so I'm I, basically I'm used to crying. Everyone gets me for making the kid cry, but I I guarantee you, I have cried more about that incident than that kid ever cried. So. <laughs> but I'm curious, Tom, as I go like back into like my Diane Sawyer or uh, um, uh, I don't know why I immediately go to Diane Sawyer, or <laughs> Walter Cronkite, Walter Cronkite. You know, you you come from like a club that is sort of notoriously known as uh, hard lists, 
hard play. I think some of that is granted, but I think some of it is like it's just fun. You guys, you know, uh, clubs sort of get a like a a heel esque, and I think it's sort of you know uh, it's more about just talking crap about whatever. But you know, I mean, I know you guys are all good guys, but was that how Dojo was approaching it? Were you looking to try to find areas that maybe could be abused and I, I know you guys don't want to have that stuff used against you. So, I mean, would you talk about in the club sort of what you guys were testing or, or looking to find? So we had always said, you know, uh, usually our role is breaking things after they had been released. You know, like, oh, you missed this. Uh, we're going to take six of it. But this this time, uh, Pat Allen, who's on the RC, uh, requested that we be involved in this playtesting so that that process happened before the book went to print rather than than after it. And so, um, you know, I think we took that pretty seriously and and tried to do good by sharing our, our un, uh, unvarnished opinions. And I love in some of his playtest feedback, it would be like, subject, you know, all this like elegant language about why the unit should be something. And then it would be like, if this doesn't get changed... Brad will take 11. Justin <laughs> has said he will take 12. So, I mean, it was set in like a joke, but it was really coming from that uh, wanting the game to be as balanced, you know, as possible. But it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we didn't really talk offline too much. It was mostly just, you know, d- doing as many playtesting games as we could. Have you ever played I, in the Struggle Shack? Isn't that I have, like? Yeah, I actually have played in the Struggle Shack before <laughs> down in Houston. I had a deposition like a couple of miles from Dustin's house randomly. So I went down there and uh, got introduced. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, good thing that's a gym because I wouldn't want a room in my house to be called the, the Struggle Shack. Because what, <laughs> what does that even mean? What does that say about yourself? But. Um, yeah, it's like he he either cooks meth out here or plays Kings of War. So. Exactly. It's like what is the uh, or what is happening in his dungeon of doom? Why not both? <laughs> Why not both? You have the little meme. Why not both? <laughs> uh, that that would be Felix Castro. Okay, Paige, your next meme is the Why not both? But t- turn that little girl into Felix Castro. So. <laughs> The best thing is, is we know that Paige listens to and delivers. We got some. That's sweet, what I say. Yeah, we got some sweet um, Jeremy Poppins memes um, at a last episode. I was getting um, romantic with my uh, newly wife, and I was like, she just wasn't sure. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you something that's gonna push you over the edge. And then I showed her the Mary Poppins Jeremy meme, and uh, it didn't quite get classified, but she like appreciates, you know, my very. very very minor celebrity memeing. So, <laughs> wow, this is just derailed into a place that I don't even know. Yep. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, why, why don't I get this back on track? All right. And now, yeah. now, now, let's move on to the focus of today's episode. So, uh, all three of us here, I reckon, have a. Um, we've got varying amounts of love for the hegemony, and today we're talking about the hegemony theme list, the Brother Mark. Uh, I think it's reasonable to say that this is the one of the factions that really needed work in Clash of Kings. I think you guys all agree. Um, it was vastly underutilised, and it's funny, I was going back to Easy Army, and you know how most e- um, armies on Easter, Easy Army, even if you're on a like a computer screen, you still have to scroll to get to the bottom, but like the brother mark fits on like almost half a screen, <laughs> and it, it just didn't feel right. So why don't we run through why we felt the um, the brother mark didn't work as a list? Tom, do you want to kick us off? I think there's a couple things. 
mostly stemming from the la- just the lack of options. I mean, they, they essentially were half of the old brotherhood list and they got <laughs> most of the bad, you know, not some of the not as good units, uh, some of the villain units, which are fine, but um, the buffs and synergies for those units weren't, weren't the best. Um, and so really before this clash of Kings, you played them for two units and that was the uh, order of the abyssal hunt cav and then the uh, hunter heroes which you could do uh, a duelist and they also doubled their attacks against monsters so it was a nice little hybrid character but uh you know good against everything but the problem with the character was it only had four attacks and so many times I would run into lists that just didn't have any targets for them or, you know, there were individuals, but they were hidden pretty well there or somebody didn't take any monsters. And so their base amount of attacks was just low. The abyssal hunt cav is really good. They have the all important CS one for cav, um, but they had vicious Titans and monsters only. So again, that's really situational and, um, it just basically, they were too, their, their buffs were, or their, their, uh, attributes were just too, too situational, I think. And that combined with poor, poor unit selection than a lot of other normal lists. Um, so why they're not very popular. Yeah. I think when you look at the genesis of this list, right, you know, it's essentially the, um, that original sort of you have a Bretonian army, let's take that into Kings of War, you know, one of those original uncharted empires armies. And third, I think really uh, in, in the two theme lists, third really began giving sort of order of the green lady, a really robust list. And it, I feel like a lot of the flavor and the coolness of the original brotherhood, which, you know, what you think of when you think of the fantasy knights, like the flying peg knights or the grail knights, or a lot of the things that sort of in our hobby memory sort of carry that core of what a fantasy knightly army would look like sort of made it in the order of the green lady. Right. And what brother Mark got, which you know, is some knights and it got some of the men at arms, but it's loot. It just doesn't quite have that flavor unit or that sort of, I know Tom, we've talked about it in the past, like a, a, a real clear halo unit, you know, maybe the order right. of the abyssal hunt is that maybe, um, or, you know, sadly to say o- ogre palace guards. So now ogres can be the best hammers in an ogre army in the regular Vaseline army. And then <laughs> in the brother Mark army, it's like, it's just, not super fun when your best hammer is sort of something that you're taking that's not really unique to your army. So I think it, it sort of suffered from both a, a, an a identity issue, both from its how you play it, right? The, a play identity, but also I think a theme and model identity too. And I think a lot of the Brother Mark players just went to go play Order of the Green Lady because it sort of had a more robust army list. I mean, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, for me, I think it, you know, it it had the infantry that Green Lady doesn't, but everything about Green Lady was just more interesting, like you said. And I found that every time I wrote a Brother Mark list, 
it would basically end up the same. I'd put something in and then I'd go, oh, no, that doesn't work. And and kind of in line with Tom said, you'd come back to a couple of units, you know, and I'd also find, oh, it didn't really work unless you had a dragon, right? And then in version three, taking a dragon isn't always your best option. So I'd, it, it just, it didn't have enough variety for me to, to be willing to play it. And it just wasn't really as fun as Green Lady. So we might, unless anyone else has anything else to add, we might move into the changes. Um, sure, go for it. Yep. So first up, we have a bunch of units getting the Velaine keyword. Um, and this may, I'm not sure if this plays into the inspiring change as well, but what these units are, are the men at swords, the men at arms swordsmen, men at arms spearmen, and men at arms crossbowmen, uh, getting the Velaine special, special rule. Uh, what do you think this brings, Tom? Uh, you know, quite honestly, this is the change that I'm least excited about uh, for two two reasons. One is a lore reason, and one is just uh, a game reason. The lore reason, to me, I, you know, why, vi- villains are sort of like the peasants that are left over, I guess, from the former brotherhood. Um, but the men-at-arms are are supposed to be professional soldiers from Basilea that are kind of garrisoning these outposts uh, along the the abyssal you know watch line um so i i think why they're doing it is because there are it opens up some auras uh some aura buffs that like the chaplain for example has uh to give fury to villain units um and so it makes those infantry a little bit better i mean having uh giving spearmen hordes fury is pretty good um, but I don't think ultimately it's, it's that impactful, at least not compared to the other changes, but I'm certainly not complaining about it because it does make the list synergize a little bit better. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I don't think it adds a lot. I, I actually think it only makes a difference unless something else comes in with the chaplain character, right? So like you said, the the fury and fury on most of those things, you know, it's not like they're going to really take something off by being furious. But but it does also on the chaplain, though, allow that rallying one to spread wider, I guess, which is which is handy because then you can pay for veteran command on things. So like your men-at-arms swordsman if you took a horde and have rallying one from a chaplain and all of a sudden you're 22-24. So I guess it, it makes things slightly more ambly, but yeah, in the context of other changes, I, I think probably the, you know, the least exciting. What do you reckon, Jeremy? Yeah, you know, it is just making a little bit more synergies. It does give the men, it does give those units coming from the Basilean list a little bit more uniqueness in that you can't, you know, in the Basilean list, Get them that rally along with the 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 you know the veteran command. So I guess it it is giving the like men at arms from the Basilean list and within the brother Mark list. It is giving them a little bit more identity in not what they come with just off the off the cuff, but what you can do with them as far as auras. So I think it plays to their idea of wanting to try to make the theme list more unique, but. Really, it's like a quality of life, slight improvement, but not anything to write home about, I don't think. Awesome. So I'm going to go over the next change with the – I don't even know. How did you pronounce him, Pronounce it, Tom? Villain? I always thought it was Villain, but I don't know. Villain. Yeah, well, we know that listeners of the podcast are pretty particular, so I'm sure we'll get some feedback. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, I would have gone with Verlaine to, um, personally, but, you know, uh, I also say Grenadiers. <laughs> I'm, I'm 95% sure it's villain, but yeah. uh, if, if we're wrong, I'm sure we'll hear about it. <laughs> okay, yeah, so the villain penitents uh, have a, actually a couple nice changes, I think. So they're going to be no longer irregular, which I'm always a fan of frontline infantry units and what you would think of to be your – that you could make a core like out to not be uh, irregular. Plus they're getting a points reduction – uh, to 75, 125, and 190 in the regiment, horde, and legion, res- uh, respectively. Um, I don't know, 190 points to me for a horde that has 30 attacks with crushing strength one, even though you hit on fives. I mean, that's a lot of attacks. Uh, uh in the legion you know 24 27 if you want to go that way or even in the horde 25 attacks for 150 points or i mean even the regiment i don't know i I like this unit now with the points decrease what do you think tom so one of the reasons that uh the more powerful lists are more powerful is because they have access to like you know better unit types or certain unit types and so one of the unit types that's really uh good to have access to is the kind of uh peasant level uh unlocking units so i'm thinking like zombies or drarig or you know units like that and so i you know i've been playing a lot with two zombie regiments who they're terrible except they're so terrible that they're really cheap and therefore they're good and so i think the brother mark getting access to that type of unit that, that unlocks is is a pretty pretty big deal um for the list because you know the the swordsman type units i just don't think anybody's really made them work and uh, you know they're in the game as a base stat line but they're not really seen that much for a reason and so um now that brother mark has access to the cheaper trash version infantry i think that's a that's a boost to its power level yes yeah. uh-huh no i just i just agree with him you know any any time you can get a regiment unlock under 100 points is nice especially in a in an army that has a bunch of expensive stuff that you want to take mm. you know so starting a list with three regiments of penitents is not a bad place you know to start to get all those unlocks and then now you have cheap stuff you can put on tokens or leave in your backfield since the rest of your army wants to be moving forward. So yeah, no, I think it's a nice change. Yeah. And I totally agree. I think with both of you that it's probably more about the um, losing a regular than the, the points decrease. Although the points decrease is, is pretty significant. It's one of the biggest point decreases we've seen really in a unit when you've gone down, I think it's 15, 20, 25, and another 25, I want to say, for the Horde. Yeah, another 25. So. I, and I had said the regiment was 90 points. That's its current points now, so it's going down to yeah. 75 below that. 75, so, I mean, that's cheap. 190, yeah. yeah. And, um, and I always used to start trying to write a list with penitents in it for that reason, of those versatile, cheap units that you can either chaff or stick in a corner. But when it came down to it, because they were irregular, they just sucked up points that you needed. But yeah, 190 for a horde too, I would consider them because they're 24, 27 base. So if they've got a chaplain around them, they go to 25, uh, 28. Um, thankfully they didn't go above 
28. Otherwise, you know, Dash 28 would have to change their name. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think this is a really good change. And, and I think we'll really kind of change up the mix of what you see in a list. All right, so next up we have a change to the villain skirmishes. Uh, so you can upgrade regiments to initiates of the brother mark, uh, which is uh, increasing melee value to 3 plus and their waiver and route values by plus 1 for 20 points. So that would take their nerve in regiments to 13, 15. So still not quite as good as... Um, as normal cav, so sticking with that the, um, with that theme that they like cav, but just with a little bit of a buff. Uh, so, what do we reckon about that, Tom? Uh, I think that this is kind of an homage to a unit that existed in version two, which I, I'm forgetting their name. I think they might have been called something like initiates. Um, you could take them in hordes back then, and they were melee three, defense four. I'm pretty sure. Um, and so we still don't have the horde option, but I, I do like making them just a little bit more threatening with that melee three. Um, there's a lot of these type of units that I, I think are underutilized, honestly, like Tundra Wolves are probably the best version of this kind of unit, but there's other units too, just the Nimbles, Speed 9, Thunders, Charge 1, Cav, um, they're really, they can be really effective with using hills and if you slap Pathfinder on them, which I would every time um, for these guys. I think it's better to put Pathfinder now on these type of cav units versus the, he- the heavy cav units where you probably get more bang for your buck out of putting like Elite on them or, or Strength or something for not the same or, or just a few points more. So um, the problem with them being melee four is they just weren't really threatening enough um, but now that they're melee three 28 if you get a flank 28 melee three attacks with thunder one possibly more if you're coming off a hill they're a real threat um, and the nerve bumps welcome too because they are defense four they're not like like cab defense three so it's, it makes it even harder to, to shoot them off so i like it yeah i'm with tom on this one i think this is a really great change uh, that's funny that he says Tundra Wolves. I was just like messing around, you know, as we all do uh, with uh, making easy army lists and like that Tundra Wolves with Brew of Strength or something in a regiment is pretty nasty. But yeah, I think that this sort of there isn't a lot of armies right now in in, in third that are playing sort of the medium cav lists. It's it's either heavy cav or not at all. So I think this is an underutilized lit, type of unit, like archetype unit, as Tom. But I love it. I mean, for less than a good amount, less than 200 points, you're getting a nimble hits on threes, thunderous charge, one speed nine cab unit. I mean, speed nine. So I think it's it's a nice change and definitely gives them um, a better flanking role, right? These are the kind of guys you want to try to get into the flank, and that hits on threes when you're doubling those attacks really does cause some pain so i I know i'm a a big fan of this change too yeah i think they it's interesting seeing them in the context of a different list like i think they're reasonably akin to one of the halfling options now aren't they when you give them that upgrade and i think in the halfling list where you haven't got a massive other heavy hitting options you're like oh these guys could be really good um but 
Yeah, I think it's the combination now of that that melee three. I think really makes them more viable. Yeah, I mean, still a pretty low nerve, so I don't think they'll be too scary. But they're they're certainly like you would consider putting them in your list now. I reckon. Yeah, I think running a couple of these up a flank, or if you wanted to do like sometimes the problem when you want to run all night lists is you don't have that sort of cheap night unit that's still giving you something. At least this, though it goes down in combat potential, it goes up in movement rules. So in an all-night army, it's not just your cheaper, crappier version of your main night unit. It's one that has speed 9, nimble. It's giving you your threat projection and your movement ability. So it's it's still within that theme, but giving you a, another layer of uh, uh, to a play style if you wanted to play a heavy night-focused army. So I think it has a nice little unique spot now in the list. And just gives more options to a list that desperately needs more options, no matter what they are. So it's uh, it's a welcome change. It's you know all these changes are really subtle. Like oh this this melee uh, uh, stack goes up by one, or this unit now has this keyword. But that's what I like about this Clash of Kings is like, to me, it feels like it was put together by a bunch of people who have been playing Kings of War now for five or six years and are comfortable with what the game is, what it isn't, and have a really good understanding. And and this is really a credit to the RC more more than anybody, but also to some of the playtesters that were involved. You know, we really have a good understanding of what we can do and can't do with respect to unit tweaks and, and changes. And, and so I, my understanding is that Mantic gave the direction to the RC to really open the floodgates and make this clash of Kings, you know, the biggest ever, I think it is. Um, and so in that kind of environment, it, it would be easy to make mistakes by making something too powerful or changes that aren't meaningful, but I'm not just, you know, blowing smoke up there, but I, I think they really did a very good job of making meaningful, but uh, small changes that aren't just changes for the sake of making a big splash. It's They're all really intelligent uh, tweaks, really. They're not big changes. They're, they're tweaks that are going to have a big effect on the tabletop, um, but are not just, you know, making everything overpowered. So and it's just like these nice little quality of life improvements I feel where it's just like little nudges is that sort of kind of how you're envisioning it like it's not big huge things it's it's just nudging units a little bit here a little bit there along with the the bigger newer stuff but it's just nudging things into more fun and engaging uh ways to play Yeah I think it's to me this this Clash Kings is like the great leveling like it, it really is just giving everybody more options. I don't know if there's an army. Well, there is an army or two that's going to get a lot more powerful with these, with the changes they get. But overall, I think the, there's just going to be more armies in the middle in that, that good, good middle of the bell curve where we all have a bunch of options. We have good options. The, the armies like brother Mark who had, very few options um, are getting a lot more. and But even armies like Undead that had all the options 
are, get, are getting more options. It's not like they're getting more powerful ones. So hopefully it's going to lead to a lot more varied lists. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm excited about it. Awesome. Okay, we're, all, we're also going to see some profile replacements. I'll take us through the first one, and then Matt can take us through the second one. So the first one is the Order of the Abyssal Hunt Cavalry. So this is what we had talked a little bit about before, right, which was one of the, uh, I guess you'd say, medium exciting reasons of why you would play this army before. Uh, and it's now become a little bit more exciting of a reason of why you'd want to play the army. So this is kind of the standard uh, uh order uh cavalry unit uh for the army and basically it's seeing a couple changes right um still has the crushing one still has the thunderous charge one has fury iron resolve but uh, the two main things i'm seeing is the vicious now it just has vicious before it had conditional vicious and then it's also picking up slayer d3 in melee so it's picking up a little bit of that extra attack against to sort of still capture that they like to fight monsters, but now they're they're just playing vicious all the time. What do you what do you guys think about this unit? I really like the change to conditional vicious. Uh, it was probably one of the drawbacks of the the previous unit in in the current meta. The the funny thing is is that uh, it's no secret that Titans have got a fairly significant buff in this edition, or sorry, in this Clash of Kings. So that conditional vicious probably could have stayed and probably would have actually been more useful. But being dropped, I think, makes the unit even better. And then adding the Slayer is is cool. And, I mean, you look at the Slayer and you go, oh, it's only D3, but if you position it well and you get a flank, you know, all of a sudden that's a, a... to effectively 2d3 you know it can really put up the herd output significantly yeah and and it's just a nice flavor change i don't jeremy do you, do you remember the playtest game you and i did where you're playing your your twilight kin and i took brother mark and you basically tabled me by turn four <laughs> and yes and, and then i i proceeded to write in our playtest Write up report, uh, like a 10 page rant. That was the first moment that began the real true changes of Brother Mark. So you can uh, thank uh, uh, Mr. Anis Fury after I smoked him. <laughs> that he, <laughs> why even played Sarby? I, I must have spent like two and a half hours just writing every thought I had. It wasn't even related to our game, it was just an excuse to, to go off on why brother mark sucked and it, it also came from playing against the twilight kin uh you know a theme list who are just getting a ton of awesome options and seeing jeremy use, use all those options and have interesting dis- and uh synergies and i'm just like over here with men at arms getting the villain keyword and I, it just kind of set me off so uh but one of the things i was trying to tell them is with these new rampage and slayer rules it'd be the perfect flavor to just give some of these um abyssal hunt units or or some of the other ones that rule that slayer rule because to me that's kind of like their identity i i'm not a i'm not a warhammer player so i don't have that bretonian attachment to this list to me they're just like um and i don't know if you guys ever read that uh tales of mandica uh, story about the brother Mark. I think it was called Unfamiliar Territory, where they're basically just like rangers out in the abyssal wasteland, like tracking monsters and and trying to hold the line against uh, abyssal incursions. And so, like to me, that's that's what these guys are. And what, when I saw this 
uh, new Slayer rules, like that'd be perfect for him. So I'm happy that Pat and some of the other guys who are working on the list decided, yeah, that's that's uh, something we can give them it's flavorful and it did it did definitely after come after your your rant some of these uh some of these changes came in tom so i think there was pretty direct correlation there <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think it was about a week later but yeah you know I, I i can tell them what's wrong but it's really on the uh the rc who came up with a ton of great ideas i mean uh so as you'll see shortly yeah, no, I think it was just trying to find ways, right? Besides to 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 have them have that character, have them have that the uh, where you're you have meaningful choices to make either in list construction or in gameplay or whatever. And I think it's just like you said, there was really a parallel in that game between all these fun new exciting toys and decisions that Twilight can had and then Brother Mark just wasn't up to that level. But uh, why don't you take us through this next character, uh, the changes to this next character, Matt, Matt, where we'll really see some of that that flavor. Yeah, all right. So this is a reasonably complicated character to read out for everyone to to understand. We have the uh, profile replacement for the Exemplar Hunter. So I think the base profile remains unchanged. So speed 5, melee 3, def 5. Uh, no unit strength, 5 attacks, 12, 14 for 115 points. He's elite melee, crushing 2, individual, iron resolve, inspiring self, so won't benefit from the new inspiring changes. Mighty and Slayer melee D3. So following in that kind of monster hunter still kind of vibe. But then we have a whole bunch of options now. So we have, you can mount on a horse for 35 points, which was there. Um, the gauntlet still for 10 points. Um, but then you may choose one of the following orders, and we have the Order of the Bear, the Order of the Lone Wolf, and the Order of the Hawk. So the Order of the Bear is you remove your Slayer D3 and replace it with Slayer Melee D6 for 15 points, but it cannot be taken with a mount. Uh, then you have the Order of the Lone Wolf, so then you replace your Slayer with Rampage Melee D3, so switching to Infantry and Gain Pathfinder and scout and increase to speed six for 10 points again not able to be taken with the mount and then order of the hawk gain range four plus slayer ranged d3 and silver crossbow 18 inch range piercing one for 25 points and again can't be taken with a mount so I really like this idea I said in one of the episodes of where you've got this base profile and you can kind of bolt on like it's 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 the you know it's it's allowing you to take options to fit your your list build what do you reckon tom yeah so this this you know like i was saying before is one of the reasons to even play the army oh so it, it it this these changes even just leaving aside the order stuff which uh is awesome but just the changes to the base profile like giving it inspiring self is huge it didn't even it didn't have inspiring before and it still doesn't inspire anything else because i guess it's supposed to be like this lone lone ranger type of character which is cool um but now when it's off on its own uh kind of like an assassin character has inspiring self um it's a little bit more resilient and then changing again the uh doubling of attacks against monsters and titans only instead it's a little bit more general so it goes up an attack from four to five and then it has slayer uh, D3, which works against not only monsters and titans, but large infantry and large cav, which 
is obviously everywhere. So this, this that ability is going to come into play a lot more than the old one did. Um, so even just just stopping there, I'd be a huge fan of the change. The Order of the Bear is like the monster killer extraordinaire. Instead of Slayer D3, it's Slayer D6. So even better fighting those monsters and titans and other uh, larger units. The Lone Wolf is sort of like the individual killer extraordinaire. So it has Rampage instead of Slayer, which uh, works against infantry, heavy infantry, and cavs. So most uh, heroes, most individuals will be either mounted on a horse or, or on foot. Um, so this, the, the lone wolf is the character I'd give that gauntlet upgrade to. So you're, you're doubling, um, your, <laughs> uh, let's see, it could be up to eight attacks. So you could get up to 16 attacks against the right type of individual, which is pretty cool. And then the order of the Hawk is kind of like your shooter guy it has steady aim natural. Cause it's an individual, um, and I think it has the only instance of Slayer ranged in the game right now, uh, unless they made a late change. I think that's true. So uh, most Slayer and Rampage are only in melee, except for this order upgrade, which is pretty pretty neat. So um, I like it. I think you can get around the the inability to take a mount by just taking wings because it's only five more points than the 35 point horse. You drop down to defense five or four from five, but that's okay. If you just want a guy flying around shooting you with a crossbow, <laughs> it's pretty funny. So I, I like the options. What do you guys think? I dig it. I mean, I think in looking at it, not only are they cool, I start thinking about, well, what does the order of the bear look like as far as their colors, you know, are the order of the lone wolf. And also too, it's like, you know, lone wolf tournament i thought was kind of cool um who's to know if that's influence in this name or not yeah you know uh, i don't want to say that it is when it isn't or the order of the hawk maybe you have all your bowmen are members of the order of the hawk it's like the brotherhood order that practice like uh, ranged fighting you know so i just like that it's it's a way instead of they could have just said you know for an option pick this it gives you this but i like the idea of conceptualizing the rules as knightly orders to me, it's 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 a way to introduce and inject rules into a unit that needs it, but still within that, you know, uh, sauce serum that we're injecting into the game. So I just like the, the how they structured the rules on top of the fact that the it's a few different really unique playstyles. Yeah, I I agree, and like like you said, Jeremy, you could suddenly almost theme your whole army around one of these guys, right? It just allows you to really go to town on that hobby os- hobby aspect. So while it's a gaming change, it also feeds into that potential exactly you know, full hobby chub, you know. To yeah, yeah. No, I I I, I dig it as well. And you well. can take one of each too, so you don't you don't have to uh, just choose one. It's not a unique upgrade, so you can have one of each. It's it's um, pretty fun yeah true and i hadn't even thought of the the wings yet tom like i, I just i thought that i was like of course like when it just writes this may not be taken without a mount i suddenly go ah, oh, that that avenue's barred to me and my, my my it doesn't my mind doesn't immediately go to wings but even like like you say putting the gauntlet on something even that character with wings would be cool right be expensive right but 
if, if individuals become more powerful or, and also if you see people start to take less individuals because, because conditional inspiring has gone away, then potentially taking out individuals will be more worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think you probably want two, yeah. two of these characters of whatever flavor in most brother Mark lists. Um, they're just really good and, and fun. So, so let's move on to the new units, which we have a whole three of. Uh, so I might take us through the first one, and then Jeremy, you grab next. So we have the Paladin Monster Slayers. Uh, so these are an infantry unit, speed five, melee three, death five, come in troop regiments and hordes uh, for unit strength one, three, and four. So 10, 12, and 25 attacks, nerve 11, 13, 15, 17, 22, 24, uh, and then uh, points 100, 155, 255. So reasonably standard heavy infantry profile there. And they have Fury, Iron Resolve, Vicious Melee against Monsters and Titans only. Uh, and as an option, you can exchange shields for two-handed weapons, lowering defense to four plus and increasing crushing strength to one for free. Um, I think I think this is a really good option. Um, Tom, you'd kind of mentioned that some of the infantry previously, even if you add villain, doesn't really do a lot. Uh, but so I think this is a good kind of, um, you know, anvilish infantry type that can still put out a bit of hurt and the vicious melee monsters I think is going to be, you know, more relevant in the, in what we see a little bit of in the, in the new meta. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think this, this is the new Halo unit for Brother Mark. Um, getting the horde option on these elite, uh, infantry is, kind of uh like one of the most meta units in the game and the fact that brother mark gets access to it is just a complete game changer for the list i think honestly um and along with a couple of the other changes really gives you a reason or an answer to the question of why you should play brother mark instead of just playing basilea and so this unit is is at the top of that list um the problem with the uh, regiments of, of essentially Paladin Foot Guard, which is what these are, just the slightly different profiles, like Jeremy, our game at Masters is a perfect example. I still remember this, where I have my little formation with the three regiments in the center, and then across from them are just your two troops of Paladin Foot Guard, like little Defense 5, 11, 13 units. And I just, even with Bane Chant, I could not get through them. And that was a big competitive problem with the brother mark list is you could just block up their main line with uh, high defense chaff and often you cannot get through them and because there just wasn't enough offensive power but that's not a worry with the horde so i think you probably want to take at least one horde in every almost every brother mark list that i can think of and honestly i'm taking two hordes in almost every list they're just that good. Um, I think you mostly want to swap to the two-handed weapons because they have fury. So you're never going to get one-shotted, and with uh, at least in the horde uh, size, you're not going to get shot off, uh, especially not with all the healing that Brother Mark still has. So I think you can make that swap pretty confidently um, and really take advantage of that melee three-plus. So, you know, they used to be vicious against 
uh, like basically they used to have Slayer. That was a little too good, <laughs> especially like if you're playing Ogres or somebody. So they they toned that down, which is probably appropriate. But yeah, this is a, this is the new Halo unit. Yeah, I mean, it answers the question of like, why would I want to play Brother Mark? And it's like, you get Paladin Hordes. I mean, it's just, and, and like Tom says, that difference between in these type of units from the 10 to 12, right, in the troop to regiment and the attacks, it's just two attacks you just don't really feel that you're really paying those extra points for a bigger nerve pool and more unit strength, right, when you're going from the troop to regiment. But when you're going from the regiment and horde, you're paying more points, but you're getting uh, an increase in the unit's ability on both ends, right? You're getting more nerve, but all of a sudden 25 attacks means something, you know? So this is a unit that would take all of the offensive items really well. Like it would take elite well, it would take brew of sharpness well. I mean, it would take, uh, you would throw Pathfinder on this boy, bad boy. Um, I think I like them more. My first instinct was to run one with uh, in a, with Brew of Strength and leave the Defense 5. Um, I see what Tom's saying in going to Defense 4 with Crushing 1 because of the Fury. But if you just want to have just like a big chunking unit in the middle of your battle line that no monsters can get close to, uh, you want to charge it? Okay, well, it's a, like a Revenant Horde that hits on threes, you know, with Iron Resolve. So I think it's just a fantastic unit. And then also, too, think about all of the cool stuff you could do with horde-sized infantry bases of monster slayers. Like, I had an idea of putting, like, a dragon wounded on a horde base and having all these paladins, like, fighting the dragon. (laughs) You know, you have one, like, stabbing it through the head, and they're, like, killing the the beast because that's what they're... It's, like, this order that's, like, kills monsters. So... Again, I love it in gameplay. I think it's a cool a flavor unit, and it's just something unique now to Brotherhood that, you know, uh, a Defense 5 Paladin-type horde, I can't think of it in another... I mean, there's the Palace Guard in Elves, but they're Defense 4 um, uh, that has this sort of flavor of this unit, so I think it's really good. And and you can easily back up with... I mean, Brother, Brother Mark, just like... Um, Basalia, trademark, as you say, Jeremy, uh, has good Banjan options, right? So backing it up, it just, it not only, if it, it can hammer or anvil whatever you need it to do. Yeah, just time. a really, really, uh, saw, I mean, you get two of these, get some support characters, start building your knights, and all of a sudden this list becomes super scary. The next character is a new living legend that the Brother Mark are getting, the High Chaplain Augustus. Um, which I wonder if that's, is this like Nias's cousin who's like gone to go live with the brother Mark? I don't know. That's like the <laughs> fluff in my, I got to write some Basilean or Basilean treadmark uh, fan fiction. So high chaplain Augustus, uh, spellcaster <laughs> level two, uh, speed five, melee three plus defense five plus. He comes with four attacks. He's thirteen fifteen for 145 and he's crushing strength one elite individual iron resolve inspiring mighty rally one humans but he comes with heal five and bane chant so it's kind of like a warrior priest right someone who can actually do a little fighting but who also has in his toolbox um a couple of spells which is nice and then also he comes with that human rally 
which is really nice. You want those Paladin monster slayers to be 23, 25, defense five. Uh, here's your guy. Um, Does rally overlap if you've got two sources? Does it stack? Yeah, up to two. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then you, it's also working on your on your villains. Yeah. So exactly. oh, sorry, dash twenty eight. That means the horde of villain penitents goes up to a twenty nine. No longer the highest. <laughs> that's the highest nerve in the game. But it's not dash twenty nine. So true, true. But still, but still. But actually, the zombie formation does give him plus one nerve for the rally from the gore blade. So <gasps> Mike, you need to change your website name. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's 29 you know, just doesn't have the same ring, does it? What's funny about that is we actually talked about that yesterday after the, the zombie formation was revealed, and Mike Atkins actually went and go, went to go get Dash 29. So <laughs> oh, I love it. Go, go to Dash 29 and, and check out it. that page. Yeah, um, oh, that's hilarious. I Sorry, think, Jeremy, I, yeah. I threw you off. I think this is a little bit of interesting character. I think at first, when you look at it, you're kind of like, you know, pick pick an option. Meaning, you're, are you a spellcaster? Or are you a fighter? If you're a fighter, you sort of want something else. Or if you're a spellcaster, you sort of maybe want less fighting and more. But I've, I, I've kind of grown to like this guy. Um, I like things that do things every turn. This guy rallies every turn. Uh, then I feel like I'm getting I like getting points and getting value out of models that have something to do in every phase of the game, every turn of the game. So I like that this guy has some Bane chant for those big combats. I love that he has heal. So as you're moving your stuff up, getting into combat and then when it's time to fight, he can go fight. So I like the fact that he's one of those characters with that. You can do something with him probably on almost every turn of the game i know you were kind of on the fence on this guy uh tom during testing what are your thoughts now yeah so he used to be rally two uh and human so what you might not think about is the human keyword also is on the dragon and on the uh order of the abyssal hunt so was doing things like taking him in between two dragons. So they were like, uh, 1921 and just being like, yeah, this might be a little stupid, even though it's really expensive. Um, so they toned that down to rally one, which I think is appropriate. And he's still, he's like, he's basically hybrid between the chaplain and the exemplar paladin. Uh, you know, it pains my like power gaming mind to have this kind of hybrid character. But I think at his cost, he's probably worth it um, because – and this is something that was interesting listening to Elliot Morris talk about today on um, the Gladestalker podcast was the formula that the RC uses to sort of come up with like an initial points value for a unit um, based on the rules it has sort of penalizes hybrid units because they pay full points for um, – shooting and melee or in this case combat stats and spells and so the rc is really attentive in this book to that problem so even though he's a hybrid um i think he's still worth it really the rally is what makes me uh happy to take him and obviously the heal five is amazing that's basically it's a phoenix level heal uh bane chant three 
of course, uh, you'll get it every turn, except when you really need it. But uh, but I, I like him. Um, and that's another thing to mention is in this Clash of Kings, every faction that didn't get a Legion in the um, – I'm blanking on the name uh, – the Halpies Earth book gets a Living Legend. So if your army didn't get one in the, the last book, it's going to get one this time, which I think they've already announced. But, um, yeah, he's he's a hybrid. He's expensive at almost 150 points, but I think he's worth it. Um, I yeah, I, I I don't know where to sit on this guy. I think to me, as a hybrid, he is spellcaster first, melee second, pretty much every time. It's just and probably only melee for at least you've got some sort of defense for someone flying over the back. Um, whereas a typical mage, I guess you you only get one attack and you're not much chance of uh, grounding them. Um, because I think Heal 5 and Bane Chant 3 is, is an excellent combination. You know, you've got your early turn, um, early turn defense, healing things back up against shooting. And then Bane Chant 3 is, you know, all but guaranteeing you Bane Chant in combat. So if I was to take him, which I don't know if I would, um, I think that's the way I'd run him. And Brother Mark doesn't have a lot of shooting. Uh, so it doesn't have a lot of cleanup ability. So that's what this combat, I mean, he's not going to be killing things on his own but turn five and turn six when you know your your monster slayer horde is dead and there's a unit with 10 wounds on it he can go poke them and do one or two wounds and get them off the table so yeah i think that's where that comes in that's how i see it is the same way like you said it and then sort of how matt envisions it as he's a spellcaster for the first four turns of the game and then you go into turn five and that one unit that you needed a five to break and you got a four he goes over and he kills it or he goes because, like you said, you don't have a lot of reach out and touch stuff uh, unless you're taking one of the the nifty new uh, uh, silver bows, uh, silver crossbow dudes. Um, so I think he, you play him like a spellcaster, but then late game he gives he he, he can and also too, how many times late game do you want to move ten inches as a mighty character and just sit in the way of something? Uh, I, I the fact that he's also mighty, I think for late game play. Uh, but he feels like he's going to be just you're overpaying for him as a caster for the first few turns, but then his scenario play at, towards the end of the game will make up for him so that by the end, I think he's worth it. And so we have one more unit, which you may have seen there, I guess their effective sister unit uh, leaked on Page Neo's uh, Newbie Dice channel in the Forces of the Abyss, but we have the Oath Sworn Guardians. So another infantry unit. Speed 5, melee 3, defense 4 this time. Only available in the regiment option. Sorry, I should um, say that they're a living legend unit. Uh, unit strength 3, 12 attacks, but dash 17. Crushing 1, duelist, which is interesting on an infantry unit. Elite melee, inspiring, iron resolve, and rampage D3. So I guess these are giving uh, an infantry killing type option infantry hunters and character hunters uh in this regiment which which i think is an interesting interesting vibe uh and and the crushing one never goes astray uh what are your thoughts on on these tom uh i actually think this is a really important unit for the list um for its stats are great but the one special role that i'm looking at is the inspiring role uh because one of the problems with the brother mark list want to take those hunter heroes 
And I think you almost always want to take two, uh, sometimes three. But when you do that, they don't inspire. And now they inspire themselves, but they still don't inspire everything else. And so you don't uh, have, you know, unlimited character slots. So it's nice when you can have a unit that provides the inspiring so that it frees you up to take multiples of non-inspiring heroes. And so for that reason, I, I really like these guys. I mean, they're not cheap. But it kind of, the list kind of writes itself with two hordes of the monster slayers with these guys stuck in between. It's just it's kind of perfect, um, and that's not a bad thing. They have really great combat stats. I mean, they have elite, so they're getting about 14 attacks plus if they're attacking the right targets, uh, which they usually will be. They're going to have up to three more, so you're looking at you know potential 17, 18 attack infantry regiment units you're getting basically like a large infantry hordes worth of attacks uh in the right scenario so um you know i i really like it um and i i think it's going to be seen in a lot of lists plus these guys are kind of like uh the living legend units so i'm I'm excited to see what people are going to model them as yeah and this works really good with that augustus too right dash 18 that's like mummy nerve you know, um, yeah. well, and they've got the humans keyword. So with Augustus goes up to 18 dash 18. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, you know, and uh, I would think that they were too expensive without the inspiring. But for me, you know, uh, my brother from another mother really hits on it, which is that having a unit be inspiring after playing against Ryan Munsell's Ancients Army so many times. It's really nice. Uh, to be able to get that inspiring from a unit. And the fact that it does come inborn with crushing. Uh, Duelist is nice. You can't throw any characters at this just to stop it. You know what I mean? Because it's just going to squash whatever character it fights. And you wouldn't think that Rampage D3 means a difference. But when you think about it, that really could be another wound or two. And how many times have we rolled nerve and where we miss it by one? Or two. Kings of War is a game of small numbers. And if you can skew something up by even a, a, a handful of hits or just one or two wounds, all of a sudden the math really begins to change and the effectiveness of a unit. So at first glance, this looks like pretty pricey. But again, I think that you're, you're, you, you have the options now to build a strong, interesting, dynamic uh, foot center and then have your knights on the flank or, or, you know, coming up the side. So it just, for me, captures a little bit more of that sort of ranging knight uh, combo foot horse army. So this unit is expensive, and it is only defense four, right? Um, so you're going to have to protect it and not just throw it out there. But again, I think you're going to get value from it by the end of the game. Yeah, and it synergizes with a lot of the other options, which, again, don't have inspiring, like the Phoenix, uh, which for some reason doesn't have inspiring, or the Chaplain, who's a pretty decent little healer character, um, but, again, doesn't have inspiring. So the list really, really needed something like this to alleviate some of those problems, and, and this, these guys are perfect. And I'm just, and I'm just pro-Living Legend units. I think that 
the living legend characters are cool, but I think living legend units themselves are really neat. You can do some interesting stuff and add some flavor and add something maybe that could be abused if you spammed it. And so to me, if you have a good idea and you're afraid of it spamming, limiting how many times you can take it, it's like an obvious way. So to make sure that we all have fun toys and you don't take your ball home with you. So I like to see, I mean, what's your guys' thoughts on that, on, on the expansion of Living Legends going to more units in the in, in the, the cock pack? Yeah, I, I like I like that idea. I, I, I'm the same as you. I like the idea of a thematic unit, you know, this this unit that has survived multiple battles you know that you maybe have to achieve certain things to even gain entry into or or it dwindles over time you know it's just i think it's i think it's really flavorful and looking at this unit it's to me it's not an auto like i think it's got a really interesting collection of special rules and like tom said the inspiring allows you to take some other stuff but still you're not going to see it in every unit so i think adding some interesting combinations of of special rules is is really good and you can see how it goes on a, on a legendary unit yeah and i think there there's still some hang up like from Warhammer players about not wanting to take living legends or or living legend units for a reason i don't profess to fully understand since I never played Warhammer, but for me, like looking back over five or six years of playing Kings of War now, uh, well, maybe that not six, five years, the, the units and like the battles I really remember often revolve around like the living legend units, uh, either me using them or fighting against them. Like, Oh, I hate, I hate that stupid demon spawn or, you know, I, I really love Dias. Like, I, I still, even though I haven't played with them in a while, like, I still remember how much I love playing with them. And so I think uh, in Kings of War, unlike in Warhammer, like, the living legends are meant to be played, and uh, they inject a, a lot of the needed flavor into units that are otherwise pretty similar with a couple stat, unit, stat differences between the armies. So I'm all in favor of these type of units. Yeah, because really, like, the Living Legends and Kings are good, but they're not like, you know, oh, I killed your whole army, and now your floating slant mage priest is going to kill my entire army by himself, which <laughs> happened to me many a time. So I think that the, the Living Legends and Kings are much more, like, playable and not as wonkadoo crazy. So I think some of those ex-Warhammer players just have that post-traumatic character stress syndrome, right? They just don't want to take it but i think it's cool i mean it adds flavor to the game and i'm all for adding more flavor but um and i think what you said tom is interesting because in looking at this list previously playing brother mark when i would look at it i'd be like uh, i guess i'll take the knights and then i can use my ogres and whereas now right. it's like right now you're thinking about ooh, what if i do two paladin uh Monster Slayers. Let me throw in Augustus and the Ostworn Guardians. Okay, that's a center. Now, do I want to have some flying order of the the Hawkeye shooting? Do I want to have some extra monster defense? Okay, then I'm going to take some of the Valane Scout Knights with the. All of a sudden, the the armies start to right right you know coalesce into stuff that is like, ooh, I want to start looking at models or I want to start building. And the the faction just didn't have that before. Yeah, it's just like give. Give me a reason to exist. Give this list a reason to exist. <laughs> like, uh, and I think it has that now. I mean, look, I, it, this I have no insider knowledge about anything. Uh, 
but I would be shocked if we had 26 or 28 armies going into version four. I, and so I don't know, you know, what's going to happen to the brother Mark or some of the other theme lists, but we have them for, you know, three more years at least, if not more. So let's, let's make them worthwhile having. Um, and I think this cockpack really does that for uh, almost all of the theme lists. Yep. Okay. And the last change is our formation. Jeremy, do you want to take us through the formation? Sure. So if you haven't seen already, uh, Kyle talked about this on Mastercrafted. Um, it's called Defenders of Righteousness. And in the formation, you get Sir Roderick Demon Bane, who is a high paladin on a dragon. And you're paying 40 points for him as part of your formation cost. Remember in COC 2022, in the formation, each of the unit has its own uh, basically part of the formation cost that they that is attached to them. Um, you know, it helps you keep track of attrition easier, etc. So we have Sir Roderick Demon Bane, High Paladin on a Dragon. And then we have the Defenders of Righteousness, which are two regiments of Paladin Knights. Uh, and they're, you're paying five points per unit on them for the formation. And all the units in the formation gain Brutal. And Sir Roderick gains Cloak of Death on a Flying Dragon. is sick. So it's 50 points for the formation. And it's it's a 75 millimeter square base too, so you can't do maybe the crazy get in your blind spot with the cloak of death. But um, I don't know. I mean, that seems pretty fair costed to me. That if you want to take a dragon and two knights, that you these now you have a nasty wing to shoot up a corner when cloak of death is always pretty good. Yeah, I mean this <laughs> along with the paladin uh, monster hunter hordes. This is like number two if not number one reason to play the brother mark i i think this might be the best formation in the book having cloak of death and brutal on a dragon put a and you can put items on them so do blade of slashing to get that extra attack and you know two point swings in every single combat uh, really a three-point swing with Blade of Slashing because that's probably going to hit and it's probably going to go through with Crushing 3. It's just, like, massive. <laughs> um, and so, man, this this thing is just so good. It's like Apaphis and Empire Dust. It's expensive, but it's it's worth it. And I really like the theme, too, of just sort of like this guy who's basically mad with with demon bloodlust and just flies around by himself over the over the abyssal hellscape you know getting in fights um and i i really like the good guys getting the evil rules like dread and uh, cloak of death like jeremy the alohi getting dread was or the alohi getting dread was like one of my favorite changes in the original version three book and this is along the same lines. So I, I really like the good guys getting the bad rules. And I imagine Sir Roderick to look like Dustin Howard of this just <laughs> this giant dude with just flowing hair, but like kind of like evil a little bit, you know, <laughs> just flying around and people being so afraid he's going to wonk you. And, and the thing with dragons, right? What's the problem you run into dragons? Ten attacks. I roll. I hit you three times. Oh, my blade of slashing. Okay, maybe I hit you four times. It's the fact that it only has ten attacks that if you get unlucky attack rolls, it doesn't matter if you have crushing because you don't. You have so few attacks. So the fact that you pick up brutal 
plus um, uh, Dread. Like you said, you're putting damage. you got to think about Brutal and Dread damage as this damage. So how many extra attacks would you have to have to guarantee two damage? It's a nice amount of extra attacks. So it's a, some special rules that are uh, sort of uh, hedging a little bit of the issue that you run into with dragons sometimes. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I, I, I really like this as an option. I mean, the main reason I like this is probably in this context of I think the biggest change that we've seen with all of these with Brother Mark is opening up the builds, right? Now we have a significant more, a significantly increased number of builds available to us. And I think this is, this is that, right? It's a formation that's expensive enough, not only based on the units, but the cost of 50 points that you essentially have to build your list around it. Um, so that means you're going to have a completely different list to someone who's probably running the more infantry heavy styles. Um, so that, that's probably my, while my, I like it and kind of then, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and just like like Tom said, those kind of, I guess, more evil traditional special rules making its way to a good guy, I think is cool as well. And it really one of the one of the problems with the Brother Mark list was uh why ever take Paladin Knights? There was no reason to when uh Abyssal Hunt were basically just a straight upgrade, which is pretty unusual in Kings of War lists. There's not a lot of just straight upgrades. There's usually advantages and disadvantages, but here, um, sticking, making it so that you have to take two Paladin Knights makes the formation, you actually think about whether or not you want that dragon, because that's really what you're, you're taking it for. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, like the Green Lady list, it has a bunch of different good cab options. And so, you, you know, they can mix and match. Uh, the Brother Mark really only have the one. And so I think it's cool to give them Op, cav options because they are still a knight faction and so you could take this this uh formation and take two paladin knights and then add a third uh cav regiment of abyssal hunt you know it worked perfectly well so i i just like the options all right well that brings us to the end of the changes so why don't we take a brief break and uh, we'll come back and finish off with our shout outs Do you take delight in playing with friends and their toys in a safe place free of judgment? Countercharge After Dark. It's where magic happens. Check the show notes and Facebook group announcements for the Discord link. And we are back. So, you know, it's been really kind of a fun experiment to do the Clash of Kings this in this way that Matt and I have done for this month of October. Um, you know, previously in the past, we've always done just one Clash of Kings episode, you know, where we sort of talk everything over one giant episode. And our goal this this year was to just try something new, try something different, kind of uh, do a weekly episode where our, our area of focus is a little bit more um uh, on smaller things and then through those sort of ideas explore changes in the clash of kings pack so i'm curious to think what what you guys in the audience did you like it did you not like it do you like it in the big episode do you like these small episodes you know we're always open to uh great feedback um about what you guys think you know i know moving forward 
Alex Kuz and I and Tom and Brinton are going to be bringing you guys a post Clash of Kings meta roundtable. So we'll really be looking at once the book is out, we're going to be talking about what we think might be good, what lists might be good, how is the Clash of Kings book in its totality, what's that going to do to the meta. Um, so stay tuned for that. We're going to be having that episode, obviously, once the book comes out so that we can talk about all the, the juicy tidbits. Um, but I just want to thank Tom for coming on the show, and I just really want to thank Matt, too. You know, this was a lot of work to get all these episodes scheduled and edited and recorded for you guys. Um, and, if you know, if our bromance wasn't uh, burning enough. Matt, it was a, a blast to do these uh, th- do these episodes with you. Um, I am a lot. I'm a yeah. lot. We'd love for you, Jeremy. You, you, you turned you turned on my heart light. So, um, <laughs> but it was just fun. I mean, I don't know. What are your what, how have you felt kind of been working on these episodes? Been for you? I think it's great, and I think it's you know it's nice to be able to tease things out over a long period of time. It's just yeah, like like it's a bit of work, but it it's it's been fun, and it's still everything pales into comparison to the amount of work that um like yes play testers but mostly the rc have done with this like it is just insane the amount of work they do and you know i'd I'd just like to say to everyone you know see the whole book you know and when you go to write write your winterfest post on fanatics or something like that think about the amount of work that's done and that you know what you're reading at that stage is just an opinion until you've proved it so and if you prove it once prove it again and then maybe it'll get changed in the next cock pack but you know a lot of a lot a lot of work goes into this but i've 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 enjoyed being with you jeremy i can always use more jeremy time oh i appreciate that so well i'm happy that i maybe have a chance to win sometimes now that tom is not taking the most broken thing that he can concoct to test (laughs) against me that now i can actually uh uh get him ready to win tournaments now that he wins tournaments so um (laughs) Oh, let me tell you, it has some awful, awfulness to try out. So, well, you know what I have to do, Tom. <laughs> a la Step Brothers. Have you ever seen Step Brothers that movie? Uh, yep. So I may know, I may not be Randy Jackson, but I gotta come and sign your samurai sword that you won a dojo. Since <laughs> Smash Me was an integral part in preparing you for that victory, uh, I have to come sign your sword. So. Yep, yep. Hey, we both have swords now. That's funny. Well, I, I, um, I have, I have, you can have I sword have. fights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. But really, I, I, I just and I haven't been on uh, to to echo what you guys have been saying. But really, the the RC deserves all the thanks you can give them. I mean, the pl- play testing is probably the wrong word for it, just because there was so much to to test and like not that much time to do it really i think what we were doing was just sanity checks for the rc and and rounding off the roughest edges but man those guys are really so creative to to come up with all of these different units i mean it's a 112 page cockbook and you know every army has double digit changes and they're they're creative thoughtful ones for you know i'd say every single one um maybe with one or two exceptions but but man that they really deserve your thanks and and they did they basically had the book written by the time they got it to us and we just like i said rounded off the rough edges 
Yeah, and the, and the important thing with that, Tom, is like not just the army changes, but then first they had to write two new lists, you know, well, one full list and one theme list, which they brought us the lists written and then said, this is what we're thinking. And then they had to write those lists or change them in line with the Clash of Kings changes that were coming. Like it has just been a massive year for them. Yeah, But it just feels like what you said earlier, Tom, to me, it feels like the game is written by pe- the people who play the game. Like a lot of the changes don't feel like connected to the game, connected to, wasn't, to what wasn't working, connected to what would make a unit more fun, more interesting. So I think that's what maybe what you, you lose out on sometimes with the RC um, is they do work for free and you can only do so much of that, right? than having like a professional editor who edits all that stuff. So maybe you sometimes, you know, there's a comma where there shouldn't be or, or, or something like that, right? But what you do get is you get the actual rules design, which is in the end what really matters is being done by people who work their butt off and who are, are engaged and are playing the game. So to me, all these new things, it's like it, it stuff just makes sense to me. And the other thing to keep in mind, too, is, you know, even with the amount of changes every army is getting, the RC could have done more. Uh, but but it's a Clash of Kings book. It's not a, a new edition rewrite. And so if you're if you're saying, you know, oh, why didn't this unit get buffed or that, you know, this unit is still not good. Why didn't it get addressed? The, the Clash of Kings book it has a lot of bumping up of less used units, but it's not an addition, right? Uh, so just I, I would keep that in mind when you're flipping through um, and maybe your unit you think should have gotten buffed didn't get buffed. They're, they can only do so much um, per Mantic. So. All right. Well, I think that's uh, all for tonight. I hope you've enjoyed our coverage of Clash of Kings and our, our next Clash of Kings specific related coverage will be after the book drops. Uh, so, Tom, do you want to take us out? Remember to always keep Countercharging. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.